Hi, I'm Rachel Dillon. And I'm Marcus Dillon. And this podcast is Who's Really the Boss, where we highlight the joys and challenges of running a business with your spouse or family. Our mission is to strengthen families and businesses by helping listeners avoid the mistakes we have made so they can lead and live happily ever after. Welcome back to Who's Really the Boss podcast. Hey, excited to be joining you today. Well, we're talking about what do you really want today? Um, I think we have had a little bit of this conversation here actually very recently this week, and um, you were actually forthcoming with conversation. And so I was able to ask, but what do you really want? Like, what do you really want out of that situation? And so um, I kept probing because you were actually answering and that's not always the case, Um, but I think it led to some really good conversation. So wanted to have a conversation for all of our listeners to join in on what do you really want? Yeah. And I was, you said I was actually showing a lot of emotion, which isn't the case. So usually I'm probably more reserved and calculated, but coming off of a, of a couple of big, uh, Astro wins and (laughs) maybe that was the motivation that kicked it off that walk off home run, um, ALDS, 2022 game one. So, um, and then, you know, just the amount of things that are probably going on in our lives um, and the different changes that could be coming up in the near future with our family and things like that is just like one child going off to college, things happening in the business, things happening personally, um, just, you know, probably all that kind of came to a head and started showing a little bit more emotion, not bad or good emotion, just like, you know, antsy, I guess, or fired up is a way to put it. Yeah, I would say fired up. I think I said, I love, I love when you're like this, but I'm also a little bit scared. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It's just a little bit out of yeah. character for you to be uh, that talkative and show any, any level of emotion. So anyway, it's been, it's been well, a fun week and sure has been a fun week. I have to be careful because a lot of times it's like shoot first and ask questions later, or, you know, make the purchase, ask questions later, or implement the software, ask questions later. Um, so trying to get my ducks in a row and this question that you brought up, you know, what do you really want? Um, is one that we've kind of asked ourselves, uh, usually whenever we're at an unhealthy place. Uh, and so it's a, it's a really good question to ask yourself in those unhealthy times when there is a lot of stress, when you're questioning things already. But then it's also good to ask yourself that question when times are going well. And do you double down and continue down the path? And is that taking you to what you really want? So uh, we've had to answer that question a lot of times in life. And what what do we want the business to look like? What do we want it to provide for our lives, our family, um, things of that nature? And that's the conversation that we're going to have here today. Yeah. 
And we uh, actually were both in San Diego not too long ago. And so we got to share the room with or be in the room with a ton of business owners and listening to how they describe or talk about their businesses um, is interesting. And it can often lead to maybe like a game of comparison of like, how do I measure up to this person? You know, oh, am I further along than this person? Or, oh, I'd like to be where that person is one day. I think that um, often leads to those kinds of thoughts and feelings. And whether it's intentional or unintentional, I think we all try to figure out like how we measure up compared to other people and businesses obviously are the exact same way. And so just listening to how uh, maybe some of the metrics or some of the words used to describe uh, businesses really got me thinking of like, okay, well, if we are comparing ourselves to these other people, does that make sense from what we really want and what we've set out as business owners to do? And so this conversation just kind of lends itself to as a business owner, as a listener who is thinking through, you know, what they're working towards goals um, and strategy and things like that within their business, answering that question or even asking it and starting to think about it. What do you really want for your business? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you have to kind of go back to what's the most important things in life and almost rank those. Um, so we've said before, you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. So I think, and that's a maturity um, realization that, you know, the, the time is money and time is the new wealth, however you want to put that. Um, that's something that we now place more value on than ever before in our lives, I believe. And so we have held up different metrics in, in life and in business that where we valued something more than time. And so I remember early on in the business, we valued or I valued a certain revenue metric and kind of carried that throughout the day or the, the year, whatever we were planning around. Um, I valued a certain revenue as like a vanity metric. And after you realize that that is truly just vanity, that being a $2 million, a $5 million, a $10 million business, whatever that is for you, um, no one no one really cares what that is. I, I guess it, it matters how much budget you control because how, how we even think about that now is revenue equals budget. And so if you have a $10 million business, your budget for XYZ could be a lot higher than a $2 million or a $1 million business. So that may help, you know, you may be able to employ more people and, and maybe that's a metric, like how big is my team? How many clients do I serve? And we were at one time serving thousands of clients. I can't remember, it was over 2,000. And you have to, we hit a revenue metric, you know, I think it was around 2 million at the time, which it was like, yes, you know, and that was four or five years back. So it was, one of those, the the client number, the revenue metric, uh, the team size wasn't that large. We never placed value on on that necessarily, but it was those other two things that it was like what we were placing emphasis on and not placing emphasis on quality of life or uh, you know just probably stress or balance or relaxation or however you want to say that and. 
we got what we placed value on. We hit those revenue goals. Uh, we hit that client number. And then we had to step back and say, crap, what did we do? And, and had to unwind some of that and do it in a way where we still had top line revenue to, because we've created budget all of a sudden. Like, so that's the thing, like after you've built a $2 million business and have the budgets built out and the team built out for a $2 million business, it's much harder to say, oh crap, oh crap, like now we need to wind this down to like a million. Well, there's people involved, there's services you have to turn off and you're probably gonna make less money. So all of that, you have to be very intentional with what you are striving for from the very beginning or after that realization point. So where we are today, I can confidently say that's quality of life. And as opposed to like top line revenue, our focus is on like net revenue, like net profit, like cash flow to owner um, in our business. And even some, some of the times that is a long-term play and things that we're doing in the business are more investments. And we know that they're building blocks for the future and, and things of that nature. But th that's kind of where we have been. And I know that a lot of other listeners, a lot of other, a lot of other firm owners get into that same trap that we did. Yeah. And I think it's easy because you say somebody's talking, they, they raise their hand or they share out to the group. I have a $2 million firm or I have a $5 million firm. And then you start listening to the story or asking questions and you find out that that $2 million firm has four partners and three locations and 40 something employees. And you're like, wow, that money goes real quick then like there there is not a whole lot that you know two million or five million has to spread over a whole lot of people whereas somebody else is quieter and they're like i only have a, a one million dollar firm and they have a single owner a single location and three employees and you're like oh, okay well you know actually you're probably doing a whole lot better than they are as far as what you're taking home um at the end of the day from a, a money standpoint so uh, yeah i think that's really important to, you have to qualify what those are. And you, one of your favorite phrases, it's all relative and it depends. Um, and so I think that that's really important when you're looking at, if you, if you just hear somebody talking about that they have this much revenue or they have this many clients, it's, there's more questions to ask rather than just saying, Ooh, I want to shoot for that. Like there's a whole lot more to unpack there than just going based off of that and thinking maybe they're in a better spot than you are. Well, I think it's also looking at their life and that's probably where I am right now. It's like, okay, what does it look like to run a 5 million or a $10 million business and who are running those businesses as either single owners or family businesses, like what does that balance of life look like for them? And is it, does it look fun? Does it look enjoyable? Is it something that you can sustain long-term? And a lot of people, I, I just had a phone call today with another firm owner and he was asking how to get from where he's at to kind of where we are and asked about our journey. And you have to give yourself credit to that it, it, that it can't be done overnight, that it has to be a process. And so I remember like when we were shooting for like coming out of the gate, like we had just bought a firm uh, or a book of clients and um, 
it just grew it and had clients follow me and organic growth and then a little bit more inorganic growth where we acquired another firm. That first five years of our business, it was there was a partner that was in that business that we had to pay. And that partner was the bank. And so I kind of stumbled upon like that realization in that conversation today was like, we could not make as risk. We could not take as many risks in those first five years as we can today, because we had a commitment to the bank to pay this monthly amount because we bought this business. And so maybe there's somebody out there listening today that thinks you can just start, you can just switch and go do this new model or go hire these people. And even from that, like we had to get past that, pay off that loan with the core business model that we bought before we ever started making small changes. And then like fast forward to maybe two, two years ago or three years ago, like, we had to get super profitable and you and I had to continue working in the business. And we, we didn't like life at that time, but we made enough money to then go out and hire that person and live off of that profit that we had made to subsidize the cost of that person who was replacing some of our time. And then that person gets up to speed the next year or so you build back, build profit back up. And then you go do something else to get yourself to that business where you want to be. And so you can't do it all overnight. And I think that's part of the thing that we've learned the whole time. You've got to hold up what's truly important to you and be moving towards that the whole time. Yeah. So looking at if we're not looking at, well, let's take it in two different directions. Cause I think this is probably two areas that people want to be if they're not there yet. If you're looking at, uh, if you're not looking at solely a top line revenue or you're not looking at solely not working in the business at all, I think that might be a goal of somebody else just to kind of collect um, maybe like passive income because you have hired for all of the roles that you used to do as far as practitioner or production within your business. What are some goals or strategies maybe people should be looking at instead of like just a vanity, just a vanity number? Uh, I think it's cash flow to owner is always the most important, uh, you know, in a professional service business, it's, you have to balance what your time is because service-based businesses, it's, it's something. And that's where we can talk about scale at another point, or maybe talk a little bit more about that today. But, um, I think as you start out or as you're realize that it's not going the way that you wanted it to go, you have to start valuing your time and not not in like a billable hour kind of situation um which we probably all understand uh but at the same like just how much do you value your time and where are you at in life so there are different things to be able to do that really just take a um you know an inventory of what's important in your life and kind of prioritize those given where you're at and so Maybe something needs to be a priority for six months to a year, but that's not a long-term priority. And that was kind of that situation with the bank. Like this needs to be a priority because we need to make this amount of money to pay the bank off, but we can kind of shift our priorities after they're no longer 
in in play. And so I think cash flow to owner is always important. And that can be a mix of net profit, which is taken through distribution, wages are pay, which are paid to yourself, whatever, however you're pulling money out of the business. And then the other big one is just time. How much time are you willing to invest in this business? Because that's truly something that can be spent somewhere else um, in, instead of this business. And we, we get in the habit of not valuing our time enough to, to make that determination. Yeah. And I, I just, your first point on cash flow to owner, we have seen so many business owners who do not take any advantage of being that business owner. They are actually making less money being the business owner than they did as a W-2 employee, as a subcontractor. And this isn't like they make less money in the first six months, like three, four, five years down the road, they're still not making as much money as they could um, as being employed somewhere. Um, so kind of what would you say to that as far as, but they think their business is doing fine because they're at a certain revenue mark. So kind of help walk through, you know, what advice you would give there or maybe how you would help somebody recognize that they're not necessarily better off than they were before if they continue yeah. down this path any longer. Yeah. Shameless plug, like good accounting. <laughs> you have to know uh, where, where your business is and be looking at those numbers, develop certain key performance indicators, KPIs that you need to be tracking. And so maybe you have a core set of KPIs that you can easily pull out. Like that's time. Everybody can measure their own time. You don't need like a skill set to do that. You just need a calendar and discipline. Uh, the, the next thing would be to, to truly um, measure how much money is, is the business is creating for you or that you're investing into the business. So that could be just as simple as like deposits that go into your personal account. And so that's like step one, always separate out the business and personal account. That way you can kind of look at it um, in two different buckets. And so if, if there's positive cash flow going into the personal accounts, then that's easier to look at. And then once you do have an accounting team and kind of somebody to talk through and dissect those results and actually make better decisions with that data, then it's setting like times to meet and, and say, here's where we're, here's where we've been, here's where we're at, here's where we're going and try to get in that mindset of this is, this is what we saw, this is what we're looking at, and this is what we need to see uh, projection-wise. And so I think that's where step one is just measuring different things, whether it's financial or um, time. Yeah. And I, I think when we're looking at um, not using a top-line revenue, really looking at if if you're spending all of your time working, then are you even able to enjoy anything that you're making? And so I think that what, you know, we want to help people realize is not like, oh, I've got to work more so I can make more so I can hit this goal. Because then you just have to, if you're making more likely, just work more and you just get in this cycle. And all of a sudden you start 
probably losing uh, friends and invitations to things and potentially family, um, but you just can't enjoy. So maybe maybe you have time to actually buy stuff and spend your money, but then you can't enjoy it. It just kind of sits there and it doesn't ever get used. And so um, really thinking. Are you trying to are you trying to like cut me right now? <laughs> like, are we talking about like my spending habits? Well, I told you that my, my Bible study was about how excess really comes from a place of, of worry and doubt and worry about not having enough. So um, maybe yeah. that maybe that has been on my mind just a little bit. But really, I think I mean, it's just the the truth of the matter. Like it is just fact. If all of your time is spent in your business, then anything that you spend the money on outside of the business, why? There's no reason. And so, because you're never gonna have time to enjoy it. Maybe somebody else in your life can enjoy it for you, but you as the person won't be able to yeah. enjoy it. So that's, in my opinion, that's just sad. And where if, if that's, if you can't figure any way out of a cycle like that, it's probably better to sell your business, close the doors, something, and go get go get a W-2 job where you probably have better set boundaries and hours to where even if you're making less, then you can actually enjoy what you're making and enjoy life with people that you love. Yeah, I think, uh, and this is probably speaking to habits and traps that we fall into personally or me. Um, and so if you're not working in the business, you're essentially working on acquiring more stuff like you're shopping or you're in the market to shop, which means you may be social, social media and like truly just doing that. I, I actually purchase a lot. I don't just shop. So, um, which is worse, but I think that's the piece and we've done it before, even like on vacation where we'll be on vacation and we're trying to like plan our next vacation while we're on that vacation and we're not even enjoying the vacation that we're on. So it's like nonsense and crazy um, whenever you back up and really look at it. We on this half enjoy that vacation. That's not something that <laughs> I typically do. I might entertain you for a minute with those thoughts, but uh, that is definitely not a we <laughs> conversation. That's well, usually think, a, a you conversation I'm, on that. I get so excited that we're on vacation and I'm like, Oh, when's the next vacation? Yeah. Like, and so let, let's go ahead and plan that because we are and enjoying it, which means we do take time yeah. off. You, you do have to take time off for that to occur. So that's good. Yeah. And that, that just kind of goes back to what do you really want? Um, do you really want the thing? Do you really want the, whatever the asset? Uh, is it, is it just the thrill of the purchase that you're caught up in or is it truly, um, like the time. And so I think we've spent a lot of dollars, like financial investment over the last few years, like buying back our time. And so I think when we tell our story to a lot of different people that ask it, it's a lot easier for me as a technician that was in an accounting firm to, to buy back my time. Essentially, I just had to go get a couple of different great employees and team members and you know, with a tax background or a sales background and I'm out, but to replace and buy back your time, it's been so much more difficult because there was just 
so many different aspects of the business that you touched where it may not have been right. It, we couldn't build out like a full-time person in any one of those, in any one of those roles. So you kind of have to grow into some of those roles over time and, and give up slowly. But I think that's the, the piece we realize like, Hey, what, what does it all mean if we can't enjoy the fruits of the labor from working so hard and, I think we've also shifted now to being uh, more of like an employer of choice and uh, being a home where people can use the skill set, the degree, the passion they've got for working outside of their home. And that's a balance and that's what they want out of a portion of their life. But their primary responsibility is still something else, being a parent or a spouse. And so I think even our priorities continue to shift but you still have to look at long-term, what is it that you really want? Yeah. And I, I think for us, we are in a place um, of privilege that we have worked, but there has been a lot of favor and blessing on our business to where we are at the point where we can choose that path, that our business is part of our ministry in life, what we are called to. And so our metrics or what we strive for, what our goals look like, our strategy looks like may be completely different than other people. So if, if, if someone's moving from, okay, I don't want to look at that vanity number, that top line revenue might not mean that I'm bringing anything home. I'm not taking, I can't take any distributions, like all of that money comes in and then it all goes right back out. So um, what would be something that someone should shoot for, you know, what would be their goals as far as what are they trying to achieve in their business to have, let's say, quote unquote, success in their business? Yeah, so there is a definite difference in scale and growth. And so growth means you're growing top line revenue at the same time you're growing your expenses, probably at the same pace, or, or maybe you're bringing home a little bit more at the bottom line, but more money, more problems. You know, you got a bigger team, you got more personalities to deal with, you got just more. Um, so, but whenever you actually scale a business, top line revenue is moving at a pace that far exceeds the expenses that come along with it, whether it's labor or any other, um, any other expense. And so in a service-based business, labor is always gonna be our largest when, and I say collective, like our client base, everything, our largest expense. And so how do you scale um, and do more with less? It's It all goes back to like the processes and how you serve a client base or a customer base. And how do you structure that to where people are the most effective they could, they could be without essentially turning into a machine? Um, and then also you, you bring certain technologies into play after you figure out the process. And I think that's where a lot of people that are like-minded and, and in our same industry, they try to solve that first with technology and then build the process around the technology. But we've always, we've learned from the best and we've always led with process first. So build out the process, see what pieces of technology fit, how many of those technologies overlap? Can we remove some of those technologies just to streamline the number of programs that we use? And then that that kind of lends to scale uh, because you build in automation, you build in just the, the minutia of the day that could get done with various products and apps. 
And then the people time, the human interaction is spent doing what only humans can do. And that's where that relationship goes. And so I think you can't get there overnight. You, you can maybe build a business from scratch with that in mind, with zero clients, with zero employees, you have to start at zero and then maybe you can get it right from the beginning, but it's still going to be trial and error unless you've had a previous experience and know exactly how you want to serve somebody and the tech stack to use. So you need to give yourself some grace and what is an appropriate timeline. So whenever we set goals and things like that, I think you have to speak in an, in an affirmative, like instead of I want, you will say I will. So like in 2023, and you also have to have a timeline. So in 2023, I will whatever you can, you can throw something out there, but I will do this. And that way you kind of see the success. You may even need to repeat that to yourself regularly to keep that in mind and move towards that, that plan. And so when we talk about scale, that scale and growth, both are, are different things, but both are typically very expensive. And so, and when I say expensive, like growth is probably more expensive, scale is more investment. And whenever you're looking to scale, you're definitely looking at ROI um, from all pieces of like relationship and expense and technology costs and things like that. And growth, you may, it may be a sunk cost. So like growth is like, hey, I need to go out and do this engagement. I'm, this may be a one of one. How, how am I going to staff this engagement? And I've got to go get contractors to do it or consultants or whatever. You haven't done anything to replicate that process. And like for the long term to where that could be a viable service offering for your business. And you haven't built the team out that's there to serve client two, three, four, five that are requesting that service. So that's that's you know definitely a difference between growth and scale but also just people definitely need to keep in mind that both of those are very expensive and we're in this investment season right now and i wish our bottom line was as much as it was in years past whenever we weren't in in such a season but we know that it's truly an investment of profit and cash flow back into the business and that we we are banking on a return on that investment. And so that's that's what you you have to do as business owners and entrepreneurs to take those risks and make sure they're as calculated as possible to succeed. Yeah, and just to highlight, and I think you did a great job covering it, but just to reiterate, because it is such a buzzword, and I think what people latch onto, like I have to do this, no matter what it costs, I have to do this, is automation. If I, if I want to be better in the future, in the future, I have to use automation and subcapacity. But what I don't want people to miss is that the process has to be there first so you can decide on the right technologies or the right pieces of whatever is needed. Most likely it's a technology to automate whatever that process or that person is. And it feels easier in the moment to throw money at technology because technology is likely easier than handling a person. We always say people are messy. Um, and so some who don't have that in their natural, um, 
skill set as far as managing people or don't want that to be in their skill set will often just throw money at a technology so they don't have to hire somebody. Uh, but you may not be getting the best piece of technology or one that you actually need or one that's actually useful. You, there may be a different process that needs automating first um, as a higher priority that will make a bigger impact. And so I didn't want people to miss that. And then something else that I don't think that you explicitly said, but talked through it as far as investing for scaling a business is just the sustainability of your business. That is something else that a business owner should be striving for. Is my business sustainable over the long term? And is it attractive to a buyer when I'm done? Or what is the plan for succession. So I feel like really thinking, um, starting with the end in mind, but thinking through that from the beginning or from now, from, from today is where do you see this long-term as far as when you decide to be done working, what, what is the plan then? And that can help also drive. So that again, your the most valuable business is not just the business that has the highest top line revenue. That is not necessarily what makes your business attractive to outsiders as far as from a purchase standpoint. All great points. I think that's part of the shift that we've tried to make uh, personally. And so I think it's also helpful <clears throat> if you work in a business to ask those questions um, in a loving and caring manner, if you want to know more about the future of the business and even your role in that business, like are, are the leaders, are the owners, are they thinking about that? Are they open to it? Like what's their plan? And I know that there's continuing to be this shift in our industry and people don't necessarily want the life that they see partners of accounting firms living. And so they've got to make a choice of when is the right time to exit that business or that industry. And so some of the cues are able to be seen uh, visually, like just whose cars in the parking lot uh, the most or who's logged on the most, who's always sending emails at this time. And that those cues, like if you're receptive enough, the the younger people who may eventually want to buy this business they see that and then they don't want any part of it. So then your buyer pool gets less. So we've always tried to create a business one that works for our, our life. And then two, what is a business that could stand alone and be valuable to a new set of owners, whether they work in the business, whether they're outside of the business, whether they're just like a bank or an investment company that is lending to the business to do so. And I think all of that goes to, like what people should be working towards when they ask, what do they really want? Because most people do not start a business. They, they start a business and don't ever think about the end, which is wrong. They need to think about like, what do you really want? Like how long, how many years of your life are you willing to give to this business? And so, um, you know, just like with kids, I think we've got them for 18 years under uh, ish uh, under a roof. And then I know that they go um, and kind of do their own thing and you spend less and less time with them over the years. And so like 
whenever you have a kid, it's, you know, 20 years, you know, that's 20 years of your life committed, like right then, like that's going to be your priority. The same can, that definitely needs to be thought about for a business. Like how many years of your life after you start this or whenever you're starting it, how many years of your life or is this going to be your priority uh, or one of your priorities? And so if you're able to answer that, then you're able to answer how you need to navigate those years and what you need to focus on. So if, if you're only, if you're only wanting to own this business for five years and then essentially flip it or like work yourself out of the business, what you've got to do each of those five years towards that goal looks completely different than the business owner who's going to run and operate and own the business for 25 years. And so I think that's part of it. Whenever you ask, what do you really want? You can apply that to different aspects of life. You can definitely apply that to your business. And I think people are getting more wise, especially the people that like are on my radar that like are buying firms and different businesses. Like they are looking to buy, grow, and then do different things like scale or, or move outside of the role or bundle business together, create a family office, whatever it is. And so they've got intention versus someone that just kind of floats through life and shows up on a daily basis just to do client work or technician work or whatever the service is and has no, no path, no GPS on to essentially go about life. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I got way too off topic there. No, I think that's good. I hope that people realize that giving up your current days, giving up your life or relationships or whatever else might have to be sacrificed for uh, a top line revenue number just because somebody else had it or the society or the market says that's what a successful business is, is if you hit $2 million or you hit $10 million, then you're successful. I just want people to realize that that's not really what you should be measuring. That number really doesn't mean a whole lot at the end of the day as a standalone number, especially if you've sacrificed all relationships and memories, enjoyment of your younger days or current days to hit that number and then may not have anything to show for it at the end of the day. Yeah. I think, you know, it's so many different aspects of this that we can talk about, like the business one we've nailed. Right. And then, so some people, it may be like, Hey, I'm really fixated and I really want that $5 million lake house. Like, cause that's my dream and that's what I want to go towards. Well, crap, that $5 million lake house, I got to pay property tax on that. You know how much maintenance and repairs there are. Oh, I've got to employ a whole cleaning crew and a pool guy and a management and company insurance and a management company if I'm going to rent it out. So you kind of have to ask yourself, what do you really want? Do you really want that beach house or lake house? Or do you just want to be on vacation? Like, do you just want to, do you just want to, you want to go somewhere days off and then enjoy it? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we see people do that close to us and they're like, I really want this. And it's like, what about that do you want? Do you want the thought of being able to go to this place and disconnect? And if, if that's the case and you don't want any of the stuff that goes along with it, like there's there's investment potential in that, don't get me wrong, but 
if you don't want any of that other stuff that comes along with it, the maintenance and the yuck, just go to a nice hotel or go to a nice resort or go do your own Airbnb a few times a year. And that's going to, that expense is going to be way better off than the investment. And so I think you can also talk like there's people out there that like, Hey, I would really like uh, a spouse or uh, a boyfriend or girlfriend who looks like this. And it's like, do you know how much it costs to maintain that person that looks a certain way? And so I think we all get caught up in a trap of, you know, comparing ourselves to others and then you get lost in, you know, what's really important in life. And so I think you always kind of need to come back to, you know, your personal, your personal self and, and say, what is it that I truly value? What's important to me? And kind of keep that question at the front of your mind at all times. Yeah. I just, I feel like I need to clarify, at least in the circles that we run in, I would, I'm one of the lower maintenance spouses. So just FYI. Yeah. Just in case, I am, just in case anybody yeah, was I need wondering, <laughs> that, yeah. that high maintenance was not a direct reference to me. <laughs> and I need to clarify that in the circles that we run in, I am not one of those low maintenance spouses. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Love it. All right. Well, anyway. I think we should wrap this conversation up and we have plenty of uh, things to talk about in the next. So look forward to talking to you and thanks for all that you shared today. All right. It's fun. Thanks for hanging with us to the end of another episode. If you have thoughts, comments, or feedback you would like to share, please leave us a comment or review on your favorite podcast listening platform. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Join us again next week for another great conversation.